John chapter 19, verses 1 to 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realise I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. It's a cruel cosmic irony, isn't it? A cruel cosmic irony. The one who is above all. The one who's above all powers, all kings, all authorities, the one who is authority and gives authority, the source of all leadership, is led, is bullied, is placed under religious authorities, political leaders, is passed from pillar to post, is judged, is sentenced by one whose every breath is given at his command. That is cruel and cosmic irony. The one who was there at the very beginning, who in the counsel of God the Father and God the Son, he is, and the Holy Spirit created all things, is brought before a human council, a Sanhedrin, 
cruel cosmic irony. The one who says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above, is sentenced by the puny puppet, Pontius Pilate. Cruel cosmic irony. The one who made all nature, all created things, who made a good world without thorns and thistles, is made to wear a crown of thorns, as twisted as those who make it. The one who created colours is made to wear a cruel and ironic purple robe. Purple's the colour of royalty. They could not use colour to signify kingship unless he had made them that way. A creative creator who made creative human beings able to be creative, able to signify stuff, able to signify royalty with color they could not do that unless he had made them that way and now he is mocked by those he has made cruel cosmic irony the one who made the human face is slapped in the face the one who flung stars into space is flogged cruel cosmic irony the one who is All wisdom, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid, watches as fools make foolish decisions. As man's ways unfold, as human judgment unravels, as jealousy, fear and self-preservation seep out and all they can cry is crucify. With mouths and voices that he gave them, on a cross of wood which he made, on a hill which he shaped, in a world that he created. And now the creator will hang on a cross. That is cruel, cosmic irony. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. 
with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It's a cross. It's two pieces of wood across each other. Uh, it's a cross, it's a crux, it's a, an intersection, and he's nailed to it. The cross is the most powerful and pervasive symbol in the whole world today, and this is why. Here it starts at Golgotha. What's a cross? It's an intersection. It's a bit like uh, King's Cross Station in London. It's a, a coming together, uh, an, an intersection. And this is the King's Cross. And it's an intersection. It's a place where two things uh, meet. There's many, many ways in which that's true. But here's one of them. Here we see evil men and God's plan coming together. Evil men and God's plan. Evil men betrayed by Judas, disowned by Peter, handled by Herod, slapped by a Sanhedrin, sentenced by Pilate, mocked by men, flogged by Romans, shunned by the crowd, crucified by soldiers, evil men. The innocent one treated shamefully by evil men. And God's plan. This doesn't just happen. Every detail is part of his plan. You'd have noticed that, that the scripture might be fulfilled. That the scripture might be fulfilled. That the scripture might be fulfilled. It's his plan. The divine script is followed to the letter and to the last. Cast lots for his clothes. That's Psalm 22. All part of the plan. Uh, in a moment he's thirsty. They give him wine vinegar. That's Psalm 69. It's all part of the plan. His unbroken bones, well that's Psalm 34 and many other things besides, all part of the plan. Jesus predicted, he said, I'll be handed over, I'll suffer, I'll die. God's plan all along. The cross is an intersection, evil men and God's plan. Peter said later, didn't he, at Pentecost, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and for knowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Evil men and God's plan. But why is this God's plan? What does it achieve? In a moment, all will be revealed, but here's the clue. 
towards the end of that reading. Look at the one on the cross. Knowingly, willingly, he chose the cross. And what is his last act? What is his final act? Not riling against his tormentors, not fighting against his oppressors, but giving a grief-stricken mother, his mother, a new son, and giving a friend he loved, a mother to live with, to love. Living he loved, dying he loves. following on from Penny's reading, verse 28. John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfil the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus knew what it was like to do a day's work. He'd done that. Uh, He'd seen mum and dad as a child, busy working, busy parenting. He'd seen dad come to the end of a, a big project at work. He knew work and he knew rest. He knew completion job done, finished, and now his work is done, and he can say, it is finished. But here's the rub. For him to say, it is finished, it must be that he is finished that the end of his work is the end of his life. For that tick, done, mission accomplished, completion, end, finished, he must be done. He must be ended. He must be finished. He must be dead. And he is. He's finished so that you can be forgiven. We've all made mistakes, we've all done wrong, we've all been nasty, we've all got proud, we've all said stupid things, we've all thought rotten things, and we've all done wicked things, and we need forgiveness, God's forgiveness, and he is finished, and his work is finished. So you can be forgiven. So I can be forgiven. He bears in his death the penalty that the judge had given to you. He bears on the cross the punishment that fits my crimes, my sins, your crimes, your sins. He pays our death penalty for us. See, he has to die. He has to die for his work to be finished. He must be finished. And he dies the death to take the rap for me and you. This this glorious one, this good one, this wonderful one, this innocent one, humbled, 
humiliated, broken. And did you notice? He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. His head was bowed for you. The one who made the universe dies for you and bows his head for you. Will you bow to him? Will you bow to him? Will you nail your pride to the cross of Christ and bow to him? He is, after all, the king on the cross. The creator hangs his head shamefully that you might be forgiven and restored gloriously. Will you bow to him? He bowed for you. Will you look up, as it were, to that head bowed for you, to that body broken for you, to that one blamed for you? And today, now, find forgiveness at the foot of the cross of Christ. So we're continuing in John chapter 19, reading from verse 31 to the end of the chapter. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus, Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. All that remains is for the body to be buried. But there's protocol to follow, burial customs to be observed, a, a Sabbath to be avoided, dignity and devotion hoped for. He's buried in a rich man's tomb, just like it said he would be. Is this it then? Is this the end? He said... 
it is finished. He knew he was finished. Is this just a mopping up exercise? Just routine for soldiers and mourners for crucifixions and burials? Just another day for them. He was hatched in Bethlehem. He was never matched with anyone. He's now dispatched. Is that it then? True. Well done. Good theology. Joseph uh, and Nicodemus do the deed. Joseph is a secret believer. Nicodemus, is he? Is, is he now? Is he, is he believing now, now Jesus is gone? Does, does he b- finally believe? Is this the end for, for him, for Nicodemus, for Joseph, for them, for the disciples, for Jesus' friends, for Jesus? Is this it? Is this it? Is this the end? Stowed away in a cold, dark tomb, all foretold from his mother's womb, Silence reigns, Sabbath remains, sealed, marked, guarded grave, still is the one who stilled the wave, dead is the one who raised the dead. Is this the final resting of his head? Is this it then? (laughs) He was right, whoever it was over there, (laughs) spot on. No, it's not, is it? There's something missing here. This is great, (laughs) but there's something missing. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. 